0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Mike Miners. He's an artist, entrepreneur, and founder of Hack Studio. Mike, welcome to the show.
1: Well, great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You have kind of an interesting background, and, and you're doing a lot of really interesting things, but maybe before we kind of get into exactly what you're up to, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Uh, I grew up in the Detroit area. Um, my dad's a car guy, and so I, I grew up in suburban Detroit. Sure.
0: Okay. And and so you walk me through your kind of childhood a little bit, kind of what got you into you know, kind of technology and kind of, you know, helping kids and learning and all this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, this all all just kind of grew out of kind of a, you know, a common thing in entrepreneurism is to scratch your own itch. Mm -hmm. Um, This is very much uh, the case with me. I, you know, I, growing up in in suburban Detroit, I, um, I come from kind of a family culture of entrepreneurism. And my dad was, you know, was always a, uh, out and striking out and doing his own things and and kind of making his own dreams a reality. That's great. My um, my mom's side of the family too is also very entrepreneurial. Actually, even even more so is kind of generations of entrepreneurial spirit and um, kind of the message that was always laid down to me from a very young age was when you have a cool idea, especially one you think would be good for the world. Yeah. You just do it.
0: Okay. Interesting. You just do it. That
1: was the thing. That was just always my example. Um, just watch people doing it all the time. And my mom, who was not an entrepreneur, she was a stay-at-home mom with a lot of passion for raising raising her kids. Um, we saw that in her all the time too. She's just tremendous energy. Um, her her motto when we were growing up was "It's the hunt and the kill, baby." Sure. Like that's just kind of the way she looks at life. So it's like everything, every new opportunity, she just, she would just seize any cool idea. She'd jump on. Uh, and we got to to watch that happen all the time.
0: That's great man. so when
1: I was a, when I was a kid, I got you know I had a lot of kind of uh, parental family leeway to jump on my ideas and to and to make them happen to, to do what I could to make them happen and it was you know it was allowed to be ugly. it was allowed to not work um, you know i I remember wanting to build a tree house and uh the the spirit of my house was, great, build a treehouse. Not like, oh, well, let's let's research and let's figure out how to build treehouses and maybe kid you with an expert and we have you send you to a treehouse building class where everything's ironed out ahead of time and there's not going to be any problems. It was just, all right, there's some wood over there. You, you can borrow my tools if you want, but see what you can do.
0: That's great. No, I, I think that's that's actually really interesting.
1: It's a great way to grow up. Totally. Uh, the the you know, in terms of how that leads to what I'm doing is that um, it, it felt kind of unique to my family, although I think in general, our culture had more of a, a spirit of allowing kids to just, you know, try things that might not work. Sure. Um, and leaving them to their own devices and, you know, letting them. Letting them leave the house, and you know, we'll see you at dinner, and they're gone for four hours, and because there's no cell phones or anything like that, you don't know what the kids are doing, and so they can get into adventures and do things that don't work. We had more of that kind of culture. It was still, it felt like mine was a, my family was a little bit more in that direction, um, at least in terms of project work. You know, if you got an idea, go do that thing. Sure. Uh, but when I went, and certainly when I went to school, uh, it just wasn't that
0: was not the culture. Sure. So, so walk me through your kind of school years. Like after high school, you went, you've been to a bunch of kind of university and technology yeah. institutes. Can you walk me through that?
1: Uh, well, I was, you know, I was a private school guy growing up. And so it was a lot of rigor around academics. Right. Um, I, and honestly, I didn't have much patience for it. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> like it very much. <laughs> it, just, it, was, it was just, you know, it was just too regimented. But I was good at playing the game. And so I could actually, I could do well in that environment. I could achieve the metrics that were, you know, that were called upon in those environments. Um, but I, um, I, did, I hated it. I hated uh, that it, that there was never really a place for the thing that mattered to me. Sure. There was never time for the thing sure. that mattered to me. There was no, never time to to go off on a tangent if I was like, you know, oh, that sounds really interesting. Can we talk about it? No, we can't. We got to move on you know, and which is understandable. There's all kinds of practical reasons why schools operate that way. So it's not really an indictment of that, but it's just, uh, it didn't sit with well with me. And I always daydreamed about there being kind of a different approach. And so when I got to grad school, I just kind of endured this. So I'm actually in in undergrad, there was a period where I just dropped out of school altogether, um, so that I could pursue things that, that were interesting to me. Um, and, but I found my way back uh, to finish undergrad and then, and then was interested in, in grad school. I went to architecture school uh, because, particularly because the work is, is about, um, you know, the work is generally built around what's interesting to the student. You, you have that they're given a kind of a, uh, an assignment to design a building, but that design is unique. To each student that sure. they bring themselves to the work. And I always thought, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And walking and seeing people make, making things with their hands and uh, building uh, building models and drawing were and all these things that I like to do, I was like, okay, this looks like a, a nice direction to point myself in and get myself a legitimate degree to, uh, to kind of please the, the uh, authority figures in my life that thought <laughs> of those things as important. Um, I was like, okay, this this is a good kind of mesh. But when I was in in uh, this, in grad school, you know, in my final year, I had gone all the way through the curriculum, uh, avoiding math or at least faking it well enough because I'd always considered myself horrible at math. Sure. And I hit one of these moments again where it, it was a tangent that I'd like to pursue. The uh, the professor was talking about stone arches. Okay. And she's up there talking about how um, the w- reason a stone arch works is because the shape of it means that any load on top of the arch puts all of the pieces in the arch in compression. The stone doesn't work in tension. If you pull stone, it breaks. Right. But if you push on it, it can hold, hold a lot. So she said, this is, you know, she the typical kind of half circle arch. She so said, this is what happens. This is where the forces fail and all that stuff. And then she said, it's just kind of an aside. She goes, and you know what? You can actually keep that going all the way around, make it a full circle as long as all the forces are kind of pushing towards the middle. So she drew spokes from the middle of this thing out. She said, not look at there. There's a bicycle wheel. Bicycle wheel essentially is an arch. Sure. And I looked at these two diagrams: this half circle and this full circle with the spokes. And I said, I raised my hand and there's this moment of just kind of like, okay, you know what you need to do for your class participation grade, you got to speak up. You know, I was like, I oh, have kind of an interesting idea that may even be a complete tangent for what she's trying to do, but I'm gonna ask it for my for my class participation grade. And I go, uh, can you do both? And she said, What do you mean by that? I said, Well, if you if you were to split the circle at the bottom and then move the two pieces of that bottom that are now separated and you spread them out from each other one like if you're looking at the circle on the blackboard you push one further into the blackboard and you pull one further out from the blackboard then you kind of have a helix shape and it still looks like a circle when you look at it from sure. that direction if you turn it to the side it actually looks close to that half circle it's actually not a half circle It turns out to be a parabola i learned later but it's, it looks kind of like the half circle and she said it was, the, it was genius pedagogy at that point. Uh, her answer was, was quick and definitive. She goes, tell us next week. <laughs> and it was, it was the perfect thing for me because I, w- I actually, I was interested in this question and it was a tangent that I would like to pursue. And she said, so that, you kind of, for the first time, it kind of never happens in school. Sure. She said, go ahead, take a, take a left turn. Go ahead. Go see what happens. Go, go follow that thread. No, uh, that's, that's great. That's you know, it was really cool. Sure. So I, so I ended up going into the wood shop. I was really good with my hands, I had all these really great tricks that I learned. The woodworkers learned to do this stuff using jigs and and cool techniques to avoid doing calculation. And so I was able to I was able to put together this thing by, by making a single piece that was kind of like a, a stone arch piece, but twisted a little bit. And that twist made it go into a helix shape. And then I was able to pull a wire through the middle of this thing and hold everything together. And without glue, the thing actually stood up.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And so it, it turned out to be, yes, you can do that. I brought it back into the class. And there was lots of oohs and ahs. And I even surprised myself. I didn't know I was going to be able to do this. It's like, whoa, this is kind of cool. Um, and all kinds of cool questions arose and people were talking about it. It a lot of energy and then a lot of great, like ego boosts for me. It was like, yeah, look at, it, look at this thing. I kind of did kind of accidentally dropped into. Sure. But at that point it was actually much more interesting to me to do that now to pursue, to keep pulling at that thread. And it was to do the assignment that the professor was actually setting up for us with this stone arch lectures. Sure. Uh, and so I just begged, I was like, Again, it was just like always happening through my career uh, as a student. It was like, I, I have things I'm interested in. Can I please just do those things? <laughs> and there was a long kind of negotiation, not not long, but for school in terms of the school calendar, you know, it was a couple of days,
0: negotiation
1: about whether or not I can just forego the assignment and pursue this thing. Um, and the agreement was, yes, fine, you can do this. As long as it's architecture and not just a weird engineering project, because this is an architecture school and you're getting an architecture degree. Sure. As long as it's architecture, it means there's per, there's people who use it, and there's and it has a specific site in the world. Like you can tell me like what, what corner it's on. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, great. It's, uh, it's a pedestrian bridge. I was like as quick as I could, like it's a pedestrian bridge, and it's at the corner of Ellison Fifty Fifth in Chicago, going across Fifty Fifth. And so like the professor just kind of rolled her eyes and, and went, okay, fine, <laughs> go ahead. Um, and I was so excited and I sat down, I was like, okay, this is really cool. This is such a cool shape. I've kind of discovered something, You know, I'm going to make something happen with this thing. And the minute I sat down and realized that it had to go from this exact spot on um, south of 55th to this exact spot north of 55th and twisting over Ellis and land right at that spot, I went. Oh, I can't fudge this. I'm going to have to. Cal- I'm going to have to calculate this shape so I can make it land there. And this wasn't like right angles, boxes, Sure. you know, like length, width. This was like this is a helical shape, you know, rising up dramatically and descending, always making a left hand turn as it goes the whole time. And, and I went, "Oh my goodness, what have I done?" Interesting. And when I hit this moment it was it was really interesting because the first thought was dread sure because okay it, I, I, i'm no good at math i can't do math i've never been able to do math um i don't know how to do this but the second thought and it happened within 10 seconds the second thought was well, wait a minute math is actually gonna help me get this thing sure and i went wait a minute, this is brand new. For the first time in my life, math isn't the obstacle to all my hopes and dreams, which is all it had always been. In this instance, it's the way to my hopes and dreams. Interesting. I wanna I make this thing happen, and math can help me get there. All of a sudden I was really excited about the idea of doing math. It never happened before in my life. Sure, and could, I, interesting. It, and I couldn't remember how to, uh, how to, what do you call it, how to isolate a variable. Sure. I couldn't remember how to get X from one side of an equation to another. I mean, that's how much I avoided math. <laughs> uh, I was 20, I don't know, like 22 years old. And I was like, I don't know how to get X from one side of an equation to another. Um, uh, so I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack the math that I need in order to do this. And I went and got a seventh-grade textbook and with no shame sat down at my desk among other graduate students and opened the, the front cover of this seventh-grade algebra textbook and just started trying to figure it out.
0: Interesting. How do, how
1: do, how do I use this tool to get this, this thing? And every lesson that I learned as I went, was, I, I was able to hang it on this Helix Stone Arch project. Interesting. So, oh, that can help me. Oh, this is part of how that works. Okay, I see how you get extra one side of the other. And actually, I I remember getting an A on that test because I just memorized what the teacher told me Right. right. in 7th grade. But now I understand what it means. Oh, my gosh, the whole thing is the equal sign. If both sides of the equation are the same, always, you can do anything you want to it. I was like, that's amazing. And I was (laughs) having all these great discoveries, and it was so fun and exciting and joyful and sticky. And uh, and, and I was you know, my self-image was, as, as a problem solver, was, you know, being ignited and bolstered. And um, and in three weeks, I, of joyous math uh, discovery and exploration, I was able to derive the uh, formula, a formula that would, that would spit out, the, you know, the shapes based on uh, these helix shapes based on different parameters that I would put in. It. so I could put variables into this formula and I could lengthen the thing or I could shorten it. I could you know make it taller or smaller or shorter. and, uh, and I was like, I can use this. and I, I had to derive that formula myself because I couldn't find it in the textbook. but I was able to. Sure. I, I think and like I sat back yeah, no, go
0: keep go- no keep going. go ahead.
1: So, hey, I, so, so I sat back and I said, what happened? this subject? That I could not stand. And I avoided, like, the plague. You know, and I was in, I was at graduate school for architecture. So that took uh, some serious effort. Sure. You know, to get to my last year in graduate school that actually, you know, has, like, structures, classes, and engineering that require math, I did the bare minimum and got the hell out of there. <laughs> I was able to kind of, you know, like like the, uh, you know, like the star athlete who can't read, you know, work my way through and just just survive. Uh, to not only being able to do it or being able to process it or being able to absorb it, but loving
0: it. Interesting. What happened? Sure.
1: What happened? And what was apparent to me was there was this element of this objective that, was, that had deep meaning to me. I did it to get there. I did it to get to it somewhere else. It wasn't about uh, fighting it out with math. It was about fighting through math to get to where I wanted to go, yeah, and all the things that all the things that that growth was was doing to propel me towards my goal.
0: Sure, it was finally like was useful, everything. right, or like a real yeah. tangible reason to use yeah. it in kind of your daily life instead of just kind of like that's great. I'll probably right. never use this when you're when you're in school, right?
1: Right. But what? But all the teachers always did, which was made sense to do was to try to explain to me how it would be useful Mm -hmm. that's always what happens you're going to need it for x you're going to need it for y when you're here you're going to you're going to thank me that i made you do these things because but that that had no effect on me and i i question whether it ever has an effect on anyone
0: sure i i would put myself in the same boat as you like i don't remember any of that stuff right
1: right so it's the what the difference was is it originated it wasn't someone Taking and shoehorning me into an understanding of an opportunity. It was I had this thing, it just and it came from within me. Sure, this thing that I that I wanted, that needed that needed math.
0: No, I I, um, I think that's great, man. I, I love that story. And, I think that's fascinating.
1: And thanks. So I so I, I said it was in that moment when I said, "Why isn't there an institutional opportunity? Okay, you know, why isn't there like a school or a class?" that operates in this way. Let's not worry about what I'm trying to teach you, like what you need to, what what do you want? Start with what you want. What do you really want that you're may, maybe not getting? That's a little farther, a little out of your reach, a little beyond your comfort zone, a little beyond your sphere of knowledge that you, re, that you want so badly, mm-hmm. you're willing to climb over anything to get it.
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: Let's just start with that, and why don't I just go ahead and say, go, like that teacher did to me. Sure. No, go ahead. Go get it. I'm not solving the problem. For you tell me. You go get it. And let whatever needs to be learned in the, in the interim just be learned because it must be learned in order to achieve the goal. That's, that's kind of the generic description of what happened to me with this math. Sure. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding actually now with Hack Studio, because that's actually where Hack Studio has ended up. That's that's our that's our pedagogical model. model.
0: Okay, start with the
1: passion of something that you want to do, and then ever all the work is about the gap between where you are and where you need to be. And we don't have the answer for the gap. We just are there to keep you moving towards towards that thing. Keep you in it. Help help you connect as deeply as possible with the outcome that you're seeking, and then whatever. Whatever you're missing, and it's individual to a person. It's completely individual. Whatever you're missing, in that in the case of my story, I was missing math. Sure. Whatever you're missing, you're gonna come face to face with immediately.
0: That's interesting.
1: And that's your work. And because you want what's on the other side of it, you'll just do it.
0: Sure. No, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I,
1: I love that. So that's that's the story of how i gone
0: from school
1: to uh, to what we're doing at Hack Studio.
0: No, I, I think that's great. So you kind of just kind of gave a quick overview, but what exactly is Hack Studio and who's it for?
1: So Hack Studio uh, is is kind of like a, I describe it differently every time I do it because it's such a different offering. It kind of needs to be explained in different ways. So sure, we're that's great. For people to understand. One way we talk about it is it's a support system for authentic pursuits. Okay. So it's Helix stone Arch for me. Is an authentic, was an authentic pursuit. Yeah. Uh, an authentic pursuit is our term. Um, and what it means is uh, any pursuit that originates within the heart of the pursuer. So there's lots of things that you can do, like, you know, cost-benefit analysis or your friend can tell you that it's important or whatever, and you can have a logical reason for doing something. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about some emotional connection, something that just kind of wells up from inside you that you want to try or do. Okay. Which was a case for me with this. So that's one uh, first criterion is it, it originates within the heart of the pursuer. Um, the second criterion is that it's um, it's defined and evaluated by the pursuer. It's not a teacher assigning it and then giving you a grade. That's someone else defining and evaluating it. It's I want it to be this because it's just what's it's coming from inside me and it's coming from, stemming from my heart. Um, and I'll know when I, when it's good, you know, because it's mine.
0: Okay, um, interesting.
1: So that's the second part, it's defined and evaluated by the pursuer. And then the third criterion for an authentic pursuit is that there's no pre-cut path apparent to the pursuer. No pre-cut path to success. So it's like, it's not like, oh, I just sign up for this program and I get there, or I, I use this kit or I follow this checklist that's already been set up for some for, by someone else so if it meets those three criteria it's an authentic pursuit okay another example so the my helix shaped stone arch project was that was that it wasn't part of the curriculum I kind of got interested in it I kind of became emotionally connected to it I wanted to pursue it and I knew when it was you know I I knew when it was going to be awesome or if it was falling short of awesome. And when I wasn't doing it for the grade, it turns out it was in school. So it was going to get graded, but I wasn't doing it for the grade. And I definitely didn't know how I was going to get it done.
0: Okay. Interesting. Uh,
1: So that was, that was where it, where it presented this great opportunity for me to grow in this really cool and unexpected way. Another example I give for authentic pursuits is like a guy who's, uh, who drives by a used car lot and sees sees this old cool um, pickup truck that reminds him of his childhood, and just and for the moment he pulls over and he buys it and decides he's going to fix it up, but he's never done any mechanical work in his life. Right. That guy is about to embark on an authentic pursuit.
0: Got you. Okay. Interesting. You know?
1: So, uh, and they can and. It- and they can they can range anywhere from that simple and that disconnected from career to being a, a career in and of itself. You know, it can be super important. It can be super mundane. Doesn't matter. Uh, and it meets those criteria. It counts as an authentic pursuit. So Hack Studio is a is a support system for authentic pursuits. We have a framework and a and a way of working together in groups that create an ideal environment for authentic pursuits to be achieved.
0: Okay, so so it could be kind of. Anything that I dream up, and you guys do it for kids, you guys do it for adults, correct, as well? And you basically That's just, right. and I just basically, like, walk me through, like, if I came to you and I said I have this idea, or I don't have an yeah. idea, walk me through the whole kind of thing from
1: me yeah. coming to you. Sure, absolutely. Well, it's, the engagement's a little bit different depending on how old you are. Sure. Uh, but the programs, that kids come to us through uh tryout. Okay. Because uh, what we've learned is um, the idea of of a uh, of going after an authentic pursuit is not totally available to people (laughs) in uh, in in our culture because we've kind of coined it and it belongs to us. So it's not we've learned it's not fair to put just some stuff up on a website that explains it and expect people to totally connect with the opportunity and come ready to ready to tackle what we're trying to tackle. Okay. Um, it needs a little more explanation. It needs a little exposure, like here's what it is. Here's how we operate. This is what we're trying to do. And so we learn we need to give uh, kids and parents an opportunity to understand it a little deeper by having direct exposure to it and say like, oh, okay, I understand that. That's, that's really not quite for me. Uh, I was looking for something else. Uh, looking for a class in coding for, or something like that, we run into that. And uh, we'd rather have that discovery made before people actually start working with us. Sure. Um, so, and then the other piece is, because an authentic pursuit is is a, because it's originating within the heart of the pursuer, um, and the emotional, the intensity of the emotional connection is uh, is basically the key to the great joyful learning um, and sticky learning and uh, engaging exciting learning that comes in that gap um, we need to we need to see if the potential participant is is uh, bringing that energy to the to the endeavor if they're coming with if, if, Something that they are actually very passionate about, or are, are ready to engage in a particular way. And this, the way that we need people to engage, is to honor each other's authentic pursuits with the same um, with the same care that they would want theirs handled by others, uh, because it's deeply personal. Right. Right. And Interesting. So if, so, if you're going into an environment where you're unsure. That the the thing you're vulnerably sharing with others, or trotting out, letting yourself be seen doing, and frankly failing at for a while before you get it done, because there's no clear cut path to to success. Um, if you're not sure that the people around you are gonna are going to handle it with gen- with the, that kind of generosity, you might be made fun of. If sure, think people think it's stupid. Uh, you're not going to be likely to to bring it uh, as freely into the, into this environment. And you're not going to be able to get the opportunity. You're not going to be able to see it, the opportunity. So, um, so a highly supportive environment is required for doing the kind of work that we do. So we have a tryout. Got you. I'm try to do all that. See you kids, see if you like it. And we see if you're really, really ready uh, to, Bring your passion to it, and be very supportive and, and caring, and understanding, and empathetic with others. Sure, uh, as, as they do theirs. And so we we just test them there, and it's, and it's totally age appropriate. We started fourth grade. Oh, very uh, cool. It's totally totally our age appropriate for kids to not be ready for that. Yep. And fair. We have no judgment about no judgment about it at all, um, and just say, okay, we're 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 ready to serve the ones who are ready to to jump into all the requirements of what this is going to entail. Um, and so, so then we do that. Then they come into the, when they come into the program, um, they come once a week with the same group of people Okay. so that you have, a, you have a group of people who are essentially there to support one another because things are going to get hard. We're all going to fail. We're all gonna screw things up. This sure. is definitely my experience when I was doing this Helix Arts thing. I had to learn the math. I had got got to this moment right at the beginning when, holy moly, I can't do this until I figure out math. Didn't expect that. This is gonna be part of the work. And so um, what we what we do is we put people together in groups because that moment is usually where everyone quits. Yep. And if you're left to your own device and you have no one behind you and no one there to kind of Uh, talk through the process or scaffold that moment for you, you're just going to quit because your brain is essentially evolved to get you out of uncomfortable situations. So you'll find a really great, um, very reasonable, very responsible reason to stop pursuing it when you hit that moment. Sure. Um, But what research shows is that those moments are, are eased and mitigated when we have interpersonal connection with people. So when you know that the moment that you're struggling with is the same as the moment that those four people that are sitting across the table from you have experienced and that you've seen them experience, that you've seen them overcome them, it makes that moment very different. Interesting. And because of the group dynamic, because we're all in it together, because we've been supporting each other week in and week out, when you arrive at that moment, you know you owe it to the group to stay in it, to not get up. Sure, because you know that you're an example to them. Right, right. So and you remember their example. So you say this is this is just a typical moment um, of doing real things. So they do. So we meet. We uh, meet every week uh, for two hours. Okay. Beginning, we do this. We connect with each other, to talk about this these moments. You know, how's going with your project? what's what's missing? Do you need the group's advice for anything? Do you need their support for anything? Cool. That's about 10 15 minutes. Then we got a good. The center chunk of the two hours is is time to work on whatever it is. A lot of people consider or, or, or mistake Hack Studio for a maker space. Okay. And uh, say like, oh, it's a, a facility you go to to do cool things and make your ideas happen, make your dream, get your dreams done. That must mean that it's a maker space. You must be making things, but that's not at all a requirement. What we're, what we're really interested in is what it is that kid really wants. Sure. So we just we've had, you know, eleven-year-old girls raise fifteen hundred bucks for a charity that they really care about. That's just as valid a project as you know one of our ten-year-old boys who wants to make a little uh, wheeled scooter out of wood. Okay. It's just a, it's just as good as someone who is looking to uh, carve out more time in her week to spend time with her friends because she's overprogrammed.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Those, those, those all hold equal weight uh, as projects to work on through Hack Studio. So they'll spend the middle part of the, of the uh, session working on those things in, in this, the same way that I was, you know, uh, that I was encouraged to work in grad school, which was, you tell us, <laughs> you know, like, how are you going to get this done? Um, but it's all done very in a very connected way. Mentors are there to sit with and talk to kids about what they're doing, to to let that kid know that there's someone in it with them, um, to bounce ideas off of. But everything is couched in the terms of like, well, what would you do? What do you think is right? Uh, and our mentors have to have a lot of patience to let a kid say, I think this is would be right, and the mentor really believes it's wrong. Sure. <laughs> to say say, okay, great, go ahead. Um, obviously we wanna be, we make sure we're taking care of safety and things like that. But anything short short of a safety issue. Sure. Um, we say, go ahead. And then when we hit safety issues, actually what we do is say, hello, oh, I have a concern. It's still, the answer is still yes, go for it. But you have to have, I have, I have a concern. And our, our rules are that um, you have to address all concerns before you take action.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: So um, so it's, it lays all the agency in the hands of the kid so that they can be working towards their thing their way and run into the obstacles that are unique to their that are unique to them. So the obstacles are unique to them that are separating them from what they're getting. Like as it was for me, the math separating them from sure. achieving this you know, so healing So we do that in the middle. Then we come back together at the end of the session, and talk about it again. Because we're likely to have hit some major roadblocks. We might get to the end of the session going, you know, I really feel like quitting this because it's not proving my genius. Um, um, you know, got some gut check moments. And so we talk about it again so that many different kids, uh, are saying the same thing. I hit a tough spot. I'm not exactly sure what to do with it, but, um, I'm going to stick with it. Um, all of the work, and that's the end of the session, all the work goes into a framework where uh, we have to ensure a commitment to getting, getting the ultimate goal. So if we're sufficiently passionate about what we're trying to achieve, no, in I, our mind's eye, we uh, know what it needs to be when it's done. Sure. Right? Yep. If you really want it, it's not hard. To describe what done is sure so what we do is we we check to see if there's sufficient emotional connection with the with the project by uh asking for a story of why they're going okay. to the pursue this and for kids it's pretty wide open for adults it becomes kind of a whole thing but sure. for the kids it's like this, this, is, this is any kind of explanation of why is fine but the key test is uh, to, to give us a definition of done.
0: Sure. So I, I guess like
1: so, j-
0: just to kind of make yeah. it like totally clear for the listener, like go back to like the scooter, yeah. the scooter example you gave a while ago. So yeah. like I'm a kid, yeah. I come in, I want to build a scooter, I go through the whole thing. You guys kind of provide me with the materials and the space and the tools to actually get it done. And then obviously the end goal is like if I can ride the thing and it doesn't fall apart – you know, that's kind of my justification to say, like, I'm done this project. Is that fair, fair yeah. to say?
1: That's yeah, fair to say. It's, the definition of done goes into the format, I will know I'm done when. And then you list the active, executable, verifiable criteria. Okay. That will that we'll, um, define that as done. Sure. So, scooter guy. Uh, I, you know, I want to make a scooter the uh, story of why is I just got done watching um, uh, Back to the Future, yeah, and sure. when, when Michael J. Fox pulled the you know those boxes and we, I saw those kids riding around on those boxes that had wheels on the bottom, and Michael J. Fox ripped the thing off, and I started skating away. I thought that was really cool, but actually I wish he would kept it together because I thought the box thing was looked, looked cooler than the skateboard that he made out of. That sure. that would be an example of the story of why. So I want to make one of those types of scooters out of wood. So that's the do. The definition of done is I'll know I'm done when I've got something built out of wood that has handles, wheels on the bottom, and, and I've made it myself. Right. That's it. So those are criteria that's active. I'm doing it. It's executable. I can I'm, i make the moves I have to wait for someone else to do stuff. Um, and it's uh, verifiable. Handles, wheels, wood. got you. So have handles, have wheels, do it. And it makes it and then I can ride on it and it doesn't fall apart.
0: Sure. No, That's that makes sense. And then through the probe through Hack Studio, you guys have like obviously adults that can help them like cut the wood or you know, that kind of thing?
1: So everything is is in the hands of the kid. We have okay. a, a building, but
0: okay. the building
1: doesn't have anything to do with the project. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's coincidentally there in our minds. The um, the materials we have cardboard and paper and some just some basic stuff that can kind of plan and, and help you expose yourself to to, to ideas. Yeah, um, but if you want nice dimensional lumber, you got to buy it. Okay. We keep some stock, but it's just as a, as a courtesy, um, just to make it a little bit more convenient. Mm-hmm. But the materials are, are the responsibility of the participant. Okay. Because again, this is, this is not about manufacturing success for people. Sure. It's about actually what do you do in the gap between where you are and where you want to be and the learning that needs to take place. If we were to supply all the, all the tools and know-how and, uh, and wood – uh, it would be tantamount to some to, in my project with the Helix Arch. Someone else doing the math
0: for me. Uh, okay, yeah, fair. No, that makes sense. Right. I, I think that's so, great, though, right? Like that you guys just give them a space to just like a supportive space, right, where they can yeah. basically be creative and build or do yeah. kind of whatever they want, and you almost like encourage working through your failures to see that you can succeed and it's not always like easy. Right. And I think that's that's basically what you guys are doing. Right.
1: That's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. So learning how to overcome struggle to get what we want and all the great learning and growth that happens in between.
0: Sure. And I, I like, at least in my opinion, I don't think traditional education supports that. I wouldn't, I think at all is kind of a, too strong of a word, but it's got to be pretty close to yeah. that, at least in my opinion.
1: I think traditional education is always looking for ways to do it, but I think they're hamstrung by um, by traditional pedagogy.
0: Sure, that's fair.
1: There's yeah. only, only so much you can do with in a in a room full of you know to be generous, you know, fourteen if you got a really great private school to to thirty five or forty, um, you know, in a cash strapped. Public school district that all have to do the same thing sure. and they all have to reach the same outcome by the end of the, uh, the lesson. There's very little you can do uh, along these lines. It's just to the best effort of the the best efforts of the school district and the teacher you're not going to be able to get much in this direction. Sure. Uh, unless, you, unless you have a, a, you know, a really permissive school that will allow uh, the individualization, customization of the experience and just to let people perceive the things um, that originate within their own hearts. It's just a hard thing to do when all 30 people in the room have to reach the same point by the end
0: of the day. Sure. So are you guys uh, looking to basically take this kind of nationwide or kind of walk me through your locations and your plans to expand or yeah. not expand?
1: The The first order of business is to get to get a really robust program happening in Evanston, Illinois. Okay. Um, What we've done to this point is we've, we've developed a really great transformative experience uh, for those people who are ready to pursue something, really looking to pursue something that has deep meaning to them and is ready to uh, confront struggle along the way. Sure. Uh, That, uh, the next step, we have this great program that works for me as well. The next step is to help people understand this opportunity so that we can get critical mass and have a really robust program. What okay. we have is a great program that's serving early adopters, essentially. Right, I got you. This needs to, this needs to move towards the mainstream before it starts turning into location too. Gotcha. You know, this has of- Kind of an under more understood uh, opportunity, uh, and get people coming in and really and really getting getting what's going on. Um, the one of the obstacles we have, and it's something that we're still working to solve, is that is that our program requires the contribution of the participant. Uh, okay. And, yeah.
0: Sure. And
1: we and we we live in a uh, a culture. Which is great. It's awesome that we, that we live in this culture. We live in a culture now that has learned that um, providers of services, products, and services are taking the basically taking the responsibility for all the hard parts. Right. That's why you why buy an iPhone. Uh-huh. a whole bunch of stuff. That Apple takes care of a whole bunch of stuff for me. Sure. Um, and a good product makes makes it so that I have to contribute less. I just I can consume it. Um, and our product is actually the opposite of that. You come to Hack Studio because you're looking to contribute something to the equation. Um, and to see what comes out of your contribution. So there's that piece of it. The other piece of it is that if if we, meaning Hack Studio, the staff the administrators and the participants, that's the we. If we're doing our job right. You're going to hit a moment of where you of total dread, like I did. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh my God! What have I done? And but that's complicated for the business. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> because, because it's uh, because it's it, it's absolutely understandable for someone to hit that moment and go, "Okay, studio seems cool, but I'm I'm good. I'm I'm going to go check something else out." I got you. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's like that check moment and not everyone's ready to say, oh, okay, that hit the moment. And if you got to, if you, if you really have a significant passion for something, um, and you're, you're, you're determined to get your emotional and connected to the outcome, you're going to move through that and through, uh, through our, um, supportive structure, um, uh, connection at the beginning and end of the, every session, if you're, if you're in it with the people and you, you know, you like those people and you like being part of that kind of connection, you're going to move through that moment to the other side. If you're a little less willing to give yourself to those interpersonal interaction components of our program. um, And if you're not really connected with what you're trying to accomplish, you just kind of picked it out of the menu. It's like, yeah, it looks like everybody else is kind of making things with wood. I'm just going to make things with wood. When you hit that tough moment, that moment of struggle, uh, you are just going to be less likely to continue to participate in. No, that. So that's, that, that makes that's sense. our challenge right now. That's our challenge right now how to how to connect this uh, with the culture that we're living in today and in a way that people understand it and and want to really dive into and give themselves to it. No, I, I
0: yeah, no, I, I think that's, it's kind of, it's not a bad problem to necessarily have though because I think more and more people are looking to kind of basically just have a place that they can create whatever they want and get support and figure it out, right? And I think that's great what you yeah. guys are doing.
1: Yeah. So. And parents are more getting becoming more and more aware of the need for a facility like this for, for an opportunity like this. Totally. Uh, more of a facility. Um, but, you know, uh, Angela Duckworth uh, just released a book called Grit um, and she had been on a head circuit for a long, long time before the book came out. Uh, explaining her research that has shown that um, the greatest predictor of success across the board is grit. Sure. Uh, which at Hack Studio, we have a simplified definition. It's not the same as, as Angela Duckworth's, is is uh, more complete. But ours is uh, essentially the ability to keep going when things go wrong. Sure. And that is the, the greatest predictor of success. And so, what all these other things that we're doing with kids are great, and they're not—they're not detrimental. But uh, they're missing in, uh, an important component.
0: Yeah.
1: No. Uh, I... Which is the essentially the opportunity to fail, and then to know what to do with it.
0: Yeah. No. We I 100% a agree of, with you. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: We, we spend a lot of our energy protecting our kids from failure. You know, of course, we're nice people, and we want to be nice to our kids. And um, it's hard, it's hard emotionally as a parent to watch your kids struggle uh, or fail outright, and then have to be, you know, have to pick themselves up. And what to do as parents in that moment is, you know, not everybody knows what to do in that moment, and we all fail at it. We all screw that up, and we don't want to find ourselves in that situation. And so, it's understandable, but they're there needs to be a place where like we did when we were kids in our generation, I'm in my forties. When we were growing up, that was just built into life.
0: Sure. Yeah. Because
1: you just you went out and you didn't have, there's parents didn't even know you're doing
0: it. <laughs> And there's,
1: <laughs> you know, there's, there's drawbacks to that too. But sure. there's, the, there's the benefit of well, when we, when we got in this sticky situation, we had to figure our way out of it. Yeah. You know We are out, we were out biking with our buddies and, if I was out biking with my buddies and they ditched me, yep, three miles from home, I had to find my way home.
0: Yeah, you couldn't like pull out your <laughs> smartphone and like Google Maps your the route home. Like that doesn't exist. Yeah, no, it's right. it's, it's a good point.
1: That, that was built into life. Now it is not anymore. Sure. And so we need we need opportunities.
0: And you're bringing These it kids, back in
1: order to be able to. Yeah, we need opportunities to run into uh, sticky moments and. Pull yourself out of it, With you know, with a great group of people standing right there, you know, standing right by you. And which is a little better than what
0: we had when we were kids. No, I, I, we I
1: didn't
0: have Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I, I think that's great. But Mike, sadly we're coming to the end of the show. So let's yeah. maybe close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and Hack Studio. Yeah.
1: Um Hackstudio.com is our website. Um, there's, uh, that's uh, really the best place to go. We've got a Facebook page as well. To sure. Follow. Um, phone numbers and things are on there. And one thing I would just add is that we have a really great adult program. The adult program is basically all the same stuff. Sure. It's, for, it's basically for people who have something off to the side that they have always wished they could do. I think about people who can kind of daydream about being a novelist, um, or someone who's, you know, got a set of songs that they've never shared with anybody, um, but that, or, you know, they'd like to make change in their career or something like that. But it's about having something that they wish they could be doing that's not quite getting done, that they'd like to set in motion. That's what our, our half Studio Adult Program is. It's the same kind of format as it is with the kids, uh, a lot heavier on uh, the connection and storytelling and sharing about the process and the difficult parts of it.
0: Sure. No, I, I think that's great, Mike. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time in your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate you having
0: me. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Right. Okay. Right. Bye. Talk Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep going in the future.